Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesday night, and you know exactly what that means. It's time for the real conversation with Shayna Thornton. Let's talk America with hosts. Shana Thornton is your radio talk show spotlighting the critical issues of today. She is certain to feature expert guests and celebrities each and every Tuesday night. She is a celebrated newspaper columnist, popular blogger, and award-winning radio talk show personality who has a passion for groundbreaking discussions. Here she is. Let's welcome the one and only, the engaging host for the national show. Please give it up for Shana Thornton. Welcome to Let's Talk America with your host, Shana Thornton, on this Tuesday night. We are thrilled to have you with us right now. You know, this national award-winning radio talk show caters to every community out there, and we are very grateful that you have joined us right now. Now, do know that this celebrated programming is talk radio with substance. Now, we aim to offer relevant conversation that's timely and meaningful. You have to stay with us. And tonight, we are discussing the tragic death of the 20-month-old toddler who was left in his father's hot car just a few weeks ago back in June. There is so much surrounding this legal case, and we will put everything on the table tonight. But first, before we dig into this case and bring in our expert leading attorney who has uh, been with the prosecution of many high-profile murder cases, please allow me to share with you some very important information from just a few of our loyal supporters. We are always grateful to have our loyal supporters who are our national supporters on board with us. And right now, they actually have something important to share. Creative Images Photography is a family-operated photography team specializing in weddings and portrait photography, where we create memories one image at a time. For your photographic needs, contact us today at 803-606-4519 or email us at rfw26 at aol.com. Visit our website at www. www.cipoto1.com Also connect with us on Facebook. Mention this ad and you'll receive 10% off of our silver wedding collection. Remember, Creative Images Photography, where we create memories one image at a time. And in the meanwhile, we are listening to Let's Talk America with Shana Thornton. Looking for delicious desserts made fresh from scratch? Phoenix Baking has a variety of desserts just for you and your special event. If you are in the Atlanta area, contact the staff by email at spthorn05 at gmail.com to place your order. Again, that email is spth. O-R-N-0-5 at gmail.com. In the meanwhile, the dedicated staff of Phoenix Baking is always listening to Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton each and every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Join us as we tune in for Exceptional Talk Radio. Thank you. We truly appreciate our supporters and national sponsors. Stay connected with us. We appreciate you. Well, let's move 
right into tonight's show topic. Now, many of you are very much aware of this high-profile murder case that has yet to be played out on the national scene. But police say that Justin Ross Harris, who is 33 years old, left his toddler, Cooper, strapped into a car seat under a baking sun for seven hours while he went to work on June 18, 2014. Now, records show that the mercury topped 92 degrees that very day. And police say the temperature was 88 degrees when the boy was pronounced dead in a parking lot not far from his father's workplace in Atlanta Metropolitan. Cobb County Chief Magistrate Frank Cox found probable cause to move forward with murder and child cruelty charges. Now, according to various media outlets, a detective recently testified that Harris messaged six women and exchanged very explicit texts from work while his 22-month-old son was dying. In addition to the charges he faces in connection with his son's death, Harris may also be charged with a felony sexual exploitation of a minor and misdemeanor illegal contact with a minor. Harris allegedly sent explicit photos to an underage female. Now, before his son's death, Harris had visited an Internet page called, quote-unquote, Child Free, and read four articles investigators have said. He also allegedly searched how to survive in prison. Now, among the other details police have released is that Harris and his wife, Leanna Harris, told them they looked up how hot a car needed to be to kill a child, according to documents. Now, detectives have reportedly said Harris talked about losing his job weeks before the death, and supposedly there are messages between both Leanna and Justin Ross indicating that the two were having major financial problems. Now, this is all very hard to grasp if you're a parent, a godparent, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent. But I do not want us to jump to conclusions tonight. But according to these accounts, there are some very serious questions and concerns about the father's behavior and possible motive. He has been charged with murder. Let that be known. He has been charged with murder. Recently, a toxicology report came back that was negative. So there was officially no drugs or chemicals found in the 22-month-old toddler's body by the name of Cooper. So many people are baffled, and they're downright confused about this case. This is a live and interactive show tonight. Please call in and express your thoughts and your questions. I have a top legal expert with me. Renowned attorney Judy, uh, Julie, excuse me, Julie Redelman is the featured guest tonight on Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. Now, let's bring Julie in, but first, please allow me to share some brief biographical information on Julie Redelman. So you should know this because you need to know who you're chatting with live. Julie is very celebrated and renowned. She is a former deputy bureau chief at the Kings County District Attorney's Office, which is in Brooklyn. She was responsible for prosecution of the borough's high-profile and complex murder cases. Julie is a member of the New York City Bar Association and received her JD or Juris Doctor from Brooklyn Law School. Julie is live with us tonight, and I'm so excited because she is our in-house legal expert, and we can all give our opinions, but if you are not a legal expert, it may be hard to maneuver through the legal system. Julie, welcome to Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. How are you tonight? 
Great. Shana, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, we are very excited and honored to have an attorney of your caliber with us. Now, before we start with the questioning, I want to remind all listeners, this is a national show. Um, We can see right now we have some calling in from L.A. and also Fort Worth, Dallas area. If you want to get on live to speak with Julie, and I also see the ones out of Charleston and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, please call in. The number to call to speak with Julie or myself live is 914-803-803. 4284. Again, that's 914-803-4284, and you have to press number one to indicate that you are interested in speaking to myself or Julie. We want to hear from you tonight the recent tragedy of the Georgia toddler that was left in the very hot car by his very own father. Again, the baby or toddler's name was Cooper. We certainly want to identify him um, who is no longer with us. Contact us live tonight. We promise we will get you on the air. But first, Julie, I have a question for you. Legally speaking, Harris has been charged with murder um, of his son, his very own son. How hard it is, is it for a prosecutor to present a strong and sound legal case in a situation like this, Julie? Because, as you know, better than I do, of course, I'm a parent, I'm a godparent, I'm an aunt, but a lot of individuals in the past have uh, supposedly legally claimed it was an accident that the child was left in the back of a hot car and, unfortunately, the child died or passed on. Um, so how hard is it to really build a case uh, for the prosecution to say this was murder or this was intentional child cruelty? Well, keep in mind in this case, at least so far, um, in terms of the the murder charge, he is charged presently with what's called felony murder. So Mm -hmm. it's not intent to to kill at this point. Now, that doesn't mean that a grand jury won't come back with um, a murder in the first degree charge, which would be with the intent to kill. But right now it's a felony murder. And what that means is that the people, the prosecution doesn't have to prove that he intended to kill Cooper. Instead, they just have to prove the underlying felony occurred, which in this case can be the criminal negligence for uh, leaving the child in the car. And if they can prove that felony and that as a result Cooper died from that, then that's enough in at least Georgia for a murder in the second degree. Um, So is it hard? Sure, it's hard. I mean, there are pieces. This is definitely a circumstantial case that would need to be put together. And I think that um, the prosecution would have a lot to play with with regards to many of the things he's done and said. And I also think the defense would have some arguments as well in regards to some, some innocent explanations for at least some of what he's done. Okay, interesting. Again, we have top legal expert uh, Julie Rendleman is with us tonight on Let's Talk America. We are discussing the tragic uh, murder case that is out there right now. It has been all over the national media about the 22-month-old toddler who was left in the back of his father's hot car just a few weeks ago in June. Now, Julie, as I stated at the top of this segment, uh, Justin Ross Harris, who was the uh, deceased toddler's father, reportedly went back to his car at lunch on the day in question Mm -hmm. and entered the vehicle, Uh, but yet he supposedly claims that he didn't notice a child in the car. Now, from your professional experience, uh, of course, in the legal world, you're an attorney, a top attorney who's done very well. Is this really believable? And what I guess I'm really asking you in a layman's terms Will a juror really buy this claim? 
Well, apparently there's been um, some new um, information that's come out, and that was after the probable cause hearing was conducted. And some of the information that came out through the defense counsel and through various videos of the scene show that he, in fact, did go back to the car, but actually did not go all the way in, meaning that he only put his hand in. Now, what does that mean? That means that arguably he did not notice once again that the child was in the car. Now, you also have to beg the question, well, how in the world can someone forget that their child is in the car after seven hours? Um, And I've spoken about this before because I know my husband once left my daughter on the top of the car for two seconds and forgot to enter the car. And I said, but that's two seconds. There's a big difference between two seconds and seven hours. And so it it kind of defy logic that someone wouldn't notice uh, their child. But then again, this is a guy who was very much involved in some other things, and that may have been something that preoccupied his mind. Mm. You know, speaking of the other things, of course, uh, from what we are being told, there has been some suspicious computer searches uh, conducted on his part, uh, Justin Ross Harris's part. Is it likely that the prosecution out of Cobb County, which, of course, is a metropolitan of Atlanta, Georgia, is it likely that the prosecution will be allowed to present the information about the previous and very suspicious computer searches about how to survive in prison, how long does it take for a small pet to die in a hot car, things of that sort? Um, Absolutely, 100% they'll be able to. The only issue would be if the videos that he searched were searched 10 years ago because then the judge may say, well, how is this relevant? Uh, It seems, though, from all the evidence, at least what we know so far, and again, we don't know anything for sure, that the area in which he pursued uh, looking up videos of, um, in this case, was a veterinarian who was showing how incredibly hot a vehicle got, was within yes. days of Cooper dying. And so certainly a prosecutor is going to want to introduce that to show a motive for why it is that he killed Cooper. Okay. So it's all about, in a sense, does the prosecution have to provide a motive or not necessarily? Well, they don't have to provide a motive, um, but juries want to hear a motive. Um, okay. So, um, and, I, and I don't know that this necessarily gives a motive. I mean, some would argue that he, you know, just was enjoying life too much. Some would argue okay. that he was in financial straits. Uh, there's various things that have come up. And, again, don't forget, it. also the defense has something to work with with that video because there's a reason that those videos exist. And the reason those videos exist is so that people be, can become aware of not leaving their child in the car. So it's valid not just point. people that intend to kill their child that watch yeah. those videos. Yeah, that is a valid point because I think uh, as individuals uh, in the media or individuals who are just parents or neighbors who are watching the news say, well, that sounds suspicious. But I guess in all fairness, you're saying those videos do exist on the many uh, social media outlets, and that doesn't always mean someone is plotting malicious intent. It could be just FYI or just to gain information, right? Absolutely. You know what, Shane, I was thinking of another thing. You know, people talk a lot about the wife, and they also talk about him, and they said the wife didn't show any emotion. The wife didn't show any emotion. And I say the same thing. You know, I'm a parent. People react differently to different things. And they certainly react differently in the public eye than they would in the privacy of their own home. So it's easy for someone to look at someone who might have laughed or smiled or not cried at the right time. But you know, it can be viewed two different ways, and you have to be very careful, especially the media, to assume that because someone's not crying, that means that they're guilty of that. That's right. 
That's right. And and you bring up a very valid point just as a human being, uh, Julie. At the end of the day, because the cameras did not catch someone crying or publicly mourning does not mean that they have not. And we do have to keep that in mind, that everyone does not react and respond the same to even tragedies. So let's also be fair in, in how we gain judgment of everyone involved. We certainly want to do that. Again, uh, listeners of Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton, we have a leading legal expert, Julie Ruttleman, in with us tonight. And we are so fortunate to have her. Please call in right now if you're interested in speaking with her live on the air. If you have a question for her, uh, maybe it has to do with the legality of this case or not. If you have a comment for her, please share it with us. Uh, We're going to take some callers in just a few seconds, but first, I have to know this. Will it be possible that the information, Julie, about the phone uh, texting or sexting or whatever, the inappropriateness that was going on with this married man, Justin Ross Harris, with these other females, including a minor, uh, would that likely be permissible in court when things officially get started with this case? It will, and it would be likely permissible under several theories. One, it could potentially show an intent to kill, meaning that he was not interested in a married situation, wasn't interested in having a child anymore, and therefore was involved in all these various sexual sexual texting, if you will. I don't know that necessarily went further than that. But it also can go to criminal negligence because this is a guy that seems to be more focused on something other than his child. And so, okay. you know, it could be introduced for various reasons, not just to show his intent uh, for his child to die. Okay. Mm, interesting. We're going to take our first caller tonight uh, out of Charleston, South Carolina. Hello, caller. You're on live right now with Julie Riddleman and Shana Thornton on Let's Talk America. Uh, share your thoughts or questions with us. Yes. Hello, Julie and Shana. This is Marilyn. And I'm hello. Hi, Marilyn. Marilyn. Hi. How are you? Um, could you speak a little bit about a little more on motive and particularly how it relates to like insurance policies and maybe in this case and in other cases in general, what do prosecutors look at as far as insurance policies as far as you know where motive is concerned? Look, I mean, you know, insurance policies are take time, whether it be for a husband, for a wife, for a child, for a parent. And there's nothing unusual about that per se. But, for example, when you have a situation where a murder occurs and maybe two weeks before the person has an insurance policy taken out on that person, it starts to smell a little bit. And in this case, I don't know that it has such – it's as problematic and certainly to me um, doesn't lead me to believe that, oh, wow, there are insurance policies on the son and therefore um, he's guilty of something. What I think matters is when the insurance policies came out. And if you, I I don't know if you've heard, but some of the evidence seems to indicate that the reason he was even talking about his son's insurance policies after his son's death was because there was discussion about how to pay for the funeral. And the discussion was to use the insurance policy, which would not be something that would be, you know, unusual, torrid, but it's obviously going to be at the trial stage to see what in fact really happened. Yes, Hmm. especially when you're talking about, and I guess, again, it begins where your mind goes with that, Julie, but you're talking about a child that's uh, barely two years old. It just seems, I guess, from, again, a secular or layman's term, odd that someone would be thinking of that sort of thing when a child's that young, right? 
Sure. And sure, it, it, it presses some bells for you. <laughs> some bells do go off. Yeah. Um, but that in and of itself, again, we'd have to we'd have to know when it was that the insurance policies were taken out. Were they taken out before he was in, in any dire straits in terms of okay. monetarily? Because if he was in trouble monetarily and then suddenly he takes these out and then suddenly his child is dead, then, then it means much more than if he took them out when his child was brand new, you know, a, a baby boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for calling, Marilyn. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Thank you. Next caller that we have on. Hi, you are on live with Julie Riddleman, a legal expert, and Shana Thornton on Let's Talk America. Hello, caller. You're out of a 706 area code. Oh, hi. This is Kara. How are you? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Thank you for calling in. Mm-hmm. Hi, Kara. Hey, I have a question for you, Julie. What is yes. the likelihood? The first question Shannon asked you was about the um, in the case where if it, you know this been an accident. But what is the likelihood of these cases proven to be truly an accident or actual murder? Good I'm question. sorry, I can't hear. Can you hear me? Yes, I can yeah, hear you. Can hear you. And Kara, yeah, I can repeat it just for uh, clarity because there were sure. some sound technical issues. Uh, Kara had uh, indicated that at the top of the segment I had asked you, would it be hard for uh, prosecution to prove that his intent was uh, murder uh, versus past mm-hmm. incidents where parents, some of the parents were cleared by saying it was truly an accident. And, I, Kara, and I want to make mm-hmm. sure I quote you right, that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. do we really know those were accidents or perhaps those um, were also maliciously done too? Is that right, Kara? Am I quoting you? Right on that yes, question. Yes. How often, okay. In other words, how often are these cases proven to be murder? Oh, I see what she's saying. Okay, did you want to take that, Shana, or do you want me to answer? Oh no, well, let the legal expert take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know that I have the statistics on that. You know, one would hope that um, a person. If, if we think about it, there could be no more malicious crime than leaving a child in a heated car for any extended period of time. So one would expect that the likelihood of someone intentionally doing that is, is probably pretty low. Um, mm-hmm. And so, But I don't know the statistics with regards to that. One would assume that the various cases of where it's happened, the detectives have done a thorough investigation, including okay. looking at the text messages, looking at the backgrounds of the person, looking if there was any issues about the raising or any type of neglect of the child, um, to come to determination as to whether it was really an accident. And I've never heard of a case such as this one until, um, until this one came up. Mm, okay. Wow. So in, in the event, well, we know that this has been happening a lot. So what advice can you give parents? Um, and so I've heard one where someone said, put a shoe in the back, put your actual shoe in the back of the car. What other advice could you give a parent to make sure that they're not leaving their child in the back of the car, especially in this heat? Great question. Well, to be honest, I, and I don't mean to be, um, you know, I don't mean to minimize, but I think that, mm-hmm. you know, a responsible parent is not going to leave their child in the car for seven hours. And I can promise okay. you that an individual who's not texting um, and sexting throughout the day uh-huh. will likely not will likely not um, yes. fail to remember that their child's in the car. With that said, mm-hmm. obviously there's ways that you you know you can always speak to someone to ask them to make sure that you got the child off you know someone to check on you. But I, you know I think these cases happen 
um, pretty rarely. Um, and when they do, I, I have to say that there there must be something seriously um, going on in the mind of the parent for them to forget a child okay. for that long a period of time. Yeah, okay. excellent. Well, thank you for calling. We appreciate that. All right, you're welcome. Wow. And, you know, Julie, you. you bring up a great point. Appreciate Kara sharing those thoughts with us and those questions. But you're right. It seems just as a parent that it's hard to fathom that seven hours goes by, and I guess there is no thought, how is the child doing in daycare or school? Did I remove them from the car? I think that's why so many people are confused by this case and have questioned the motive of Justin Ross Harris. We're going to take another caller right now. Uh, caller, you are on with us. Thank you for calling in. Speaking to Julie Riddleman, legal expert, is on Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton tonight. What are your thoughts? Caller, I think you're out of Florence or Myrtle Beach area, 843. Um, hi, this is um, Kiva Pfeffer calling from Charleston, South Carolina. Hi, Kiva. Thanks for calling in tonight. Hi, Kiva. I just have a quick question. In in regard to the sentencing, if he is, you know, found, you know, proven and found guilty, um, I know that the the laws for this type of crime, they vary from state to state. So um, mm -hmm. what type of, um, I guess, sentencing or, um, like, incarceration time would he be looking at? And I'm sure I know there are several variables that would, would have to determine that, but um, in you know the time that he would be sentenced. In addition to, um, would the spouse or his spouse be um, like given some sort of con um, um, you know conspiracy charge or consent, you know, or, or anything like that? Would she be sentenced as well? Well, let me start with there's you know the charge with regards to the felony murder. Um, in, in my understanding, in that state um, specifically, because it varies from state to state, and I'm actually from New okay. York, so this, the law is a little different, but when you're charged with felony murder and you're found guilty of felony murder, even if you did not intend to kill, the sentencing guidelines are life imprisonment. And I know that, and that's the minimum you can receive. Okay. And I believe with regards to just tri uh, the child cruelty charges, so if he were to be found guilty of child cruelty separate and apart from the murder, that he'd be facing 5 to 20 years. Um, okay. Now, you asked about the mother with regards to conspiracy. You have to keep in mind, and again, we haven't heard everything yet, but right now there's no charges against her. Okay. It doesn't seem like yet there's any evidence that indicates she planned it. I'm not saying there won't be, um, but I think we need to be pretty open-minded with regards to um, her involvement. And keep in mind also that mere knowledge, if, if, let's suppose at the end of the day we prove or the state can prove that she knew that her husband was going to do something or that she knew afterwards that he had done it. That in and of itself is not a crime. It's only if she in some way wow. helped him um, to commit okay. that crime that it makes it a crime. So you have to keep that in mind. She has to have done something to in some way initiate or help in the committing of the crime, which would be the death of Cooper. Hmm. Kiva, oh, thank you. Did that address your concern? Yes, it did. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for calling Thank in, you. Kiva. We certainly appreciate all of our callers tonight. You know, Julie, and, and that is a hard blow for me as a parent to phantom what you just said. So she could have known he was plotting uh, the demise of the murder of this innocent child, but as long as she did not intentionally act on it or participate in any way, there is no crime to that. Is that right? Right. You know, look, I don't believe she knew he was doing anything, but okay. mere knowledge is not enough. You have to have okay. done something or initiated something um, in order to be charged. I mean, well, and and it, so far I don't see it in this case. Not okay. to say that there won't be more evidence, although I have to say just in my head I don't believe you will see her charged with anything. And, okay. in fact, I think you'll end up seeing her having to testify against him. You know, and, and we need to keep in the back of our minds, everyone, all of all of the listeners out there, everyone, that what we see is morally right or wrong, what you're saying, well, if someone knew, and we're not saying she did, let me put that on the table. We're just saying for any case or trial out there, but at the end of the day, what may seem morally right or wrong is not always translated into the legal system, right, Julie? Exactly. You, okay. you hit the nail on the head, exactly. Yeah, we have to keep that in mind. This show is going so well. We'll try to squeeze a few We'll try to squeeze a few extra minutes on right now. Um, but right now, Julie, the toxicology report uh, was released. And as you know, it was negative. Uh, who does this report likely benefit, the prosecution or the defense? Well, I believe it, it benefits the, the defense um, okay. because it basically says that he didn't, you know, one would argue as a prosecutor that if he wanted him to be quiet there so that it wouldn't draw attention to the vehicle, that he would give him something like a sleeping pill to get him to fall asleep so that he would be quiet in the car and not screaming out. The fact that there isn't one can, can lend themselves to believe that he, again, was just negligent in leaving the child in the car and had no idea that the child had been left there um, because then the child could have screamed out and who knows who would have come over to the car, even though, unfortunately, no one did. So I say it benefits mm -hmm. the defense. Okay, wow. So that's interesting to note because I guess you're right. He could have drugged the child if everything is what we're saying is true, and that would have made the intent or the motive uh, very clear. Mm, interesting. Sure, um, and it would have made the crime easier. And uh, we've got another question for you. Uh, let's be clear about this. This may not go to trial, right? I mean, his defense team may present a plea deal. Is that correct? Is that possible? Um, sure. Plea deals happen all the time. Um, it, you know, it really depends on, on – I think that we have a while to go to see what, what additional evidence will come out through the search warrant. Um, it okay. could be evidence that helps him. It could be evidence that hurts him, but only time will tell. Hmm, powerful. Right now I'm going to take our uh, last caller for tonight's show. Hello, you are on with us from Columbia, South Carolina, the capital of the Palmetto State. How are you? And share your thoughts or questions with Julie. Yes, good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Shirley Thomas. And really, hi, Shirley. Hi, how are you doing? You know what good, how are you? Asked my question I had, and it was about conspiracy. How would we go, what evidence would be needed in order to prove that there was a conspiracy? But since that question has been answered, I'd like to know, if I was to come across a child in a car, what recourse other than dialing 911, God knows when they would get here, would I have in order to help that child? 
Hmm. Yeah, that's a very great question that I think, you know, so many of us hear the stories, Julie, but, you know, what obligation or legal obligation do we have as members of the communities if we see it as a child's trapped in a car? Are we legally bound to react or respond? I mean, naturally and morally most people will, but any legal legality behind that? I don't want to answer this because it's unbearable to say this, but no. If you are not the reason that that child is in the car, then you have no legal responsibility to help them. I mean, but uh, the moral repercussions, I don't know how anyone could ever live with themselves if they leave a child in that situation. But if you're the one who created the situation, then obviously you are also responsible to fix that situation. Um, Unless you're a guardian or whatnot of that child and see the child in distress, then then at that point you may be obligated under the law. Mm, Wow. Uh, Very great question, Shirley, and a disturbing answer. But, Julie, thank you for sharing it with us. Now, Justin Ross Harris has been denied bond. That's clear. Is it likely he will not be released from jail until the fate of this murder case is decided, Julie? I think it's very likely. My understanding is he has contacts with out-of-state and he has family out-of-state, which would cause a judge to be concerned that he might flee if he gets out. And especially if we're looking at murder charges where life and potentially death is on the line, he's not going anywhere until a trial or a plea. Okay, wow. Julie Riddleman has been with us tonight on Let's Talk America with host Shayna Thornton. Uh, Before you get out of here, one last uh, vital question for you. Obviously, we kept talking about right and wrong and what morally people can think right or wrong, and then what the legal system uh, holds you accountable for. Explain to us, because a lot of us are very uh, naive or novices about the legal system. Clearly, Julie, you are not. But to prove any case, be it this high-profile murder case, of this toddler, Cooper, 22-month-old out of Atlanta Metropolitan, or any other cases uh, that you have dealt with personally out of Brooklyn, New York, reasonable doubt, that always has to come into play. We hear that with a lot of high-profile cases. With the O.J. Simpson uh, case over a decade ago, reasonable doubt, reasonable doubt. Explain what that means to the layman individual. I mean, who's an engineer, who's an administrative assistant, they don't really get what that means. What does an attorney, the prosecution, what must they prove? for any murder case to have validity? Look, it's, it's what we call beyond a reasonable doubt. And beyond a reasonable doubt doesn't mean beyond a shadow of a doubt. It doesn't okay. mean that we know that someone's guilty 100%. It's that we know someone's guilty. And the idea is that there's no reasonable reason to, to show that they're not guilty. Okay. Um, and so it's a very high standard but it's not 100%, and that's built into the system because the system understands that people are flawed and witnesses can potentially be flawed. And so there's no such thing as 100%. And if we had to do that, there'd be no guilties, um, no juries that would find someone guilty. Uh, But it's a very high standard, and it's purposely a high standard because it's important for a defendant in terms of fairness for the prosecution to have to prove their case and layer it and layer it and layer it until you reach beyond that reasonable doubt. 
powerful information and words of wisdom from Julie Riddleman. Julie, we have enjoyed you as our in-house legal expert. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed yourself speaking with the many listeners around the nation on Let's Talk America with host Shana Thornton. Remember, everyone around the world and especially America, join us every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know the slogan here. We are talk radio with substance. Again, I want to point out we appreciate the efforts and time of Julie. Thank you so much. Do know that this case Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. The case of Cooper, the 22-month-old toddler, is very tragic. A life was lost, and this is sad. No matter how this murder case plays out, the child is gone forever. Please be aware of the children, and in heat or extreme cold, please be logical, and please be safe. And please, if you have to get off the smartphones and stop uh, texting or getting on Facebook or Instagram, uh, whatever it is, please be attentive to the children. We don't want to see another Cooper out there. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, please reach out to us if you're on Twitter. Reach us at S.S. Thornton. S.S. Thornton. Let's talk America with host Shana Thornton, trying to make a difference in your world. See you next Tuesday night, everybody. Take care. <laughs>